When I made that decision, I like fully owned it. I'm a very passionate person. Like anything that I'm passionate about, I like to the extreme. So that's like how I was with this. I like completely went all in. Jesus is coming back in our lifetime and we have to usher in Jesus' return and make sure that you're gonna make it through the tribulation. And am I close enough with God to where like I know for sure I'm gonna get into heaven? It was just a lot, it was just a lot of fear around am I doing enough? Doing enough? Doing enough? This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual de and reconstruction. Season 2, Episode 17 Enough. talking to one another. Yay! <laughs> this feels so cool. Uh, yeah, how are you? Um, I am doing really, really good. good. It's a little bit overwhelming. I'm in the process of moving right now, kind of. Okay. Um, so that's the only like overwhelming thing, but I'm just focusing on, you know, my music stuff and taking little steps towards my dreams and my goals for this year. So that feels really good. Oh, that's awesome. And I feel like I'm getting closer and closer every day. <laughs> good. So I mean, awesome. I've had to actually, I have had to start telling myself that. Um, similarly, just that kind of that closer and closer every day, just like one step in the, you know, forward motion every day about mm-hmm. the, about my like thesis work right now. Um, otherwise it starts to feel super overwhelming. Like it'll never happen. Um, yeah. and I've had to just start telling myself and telling my body, like if you do anything in the direction of forward motion today, that's enough. Just one, take it like one moment at a time and just a little bit every day is enough. That's so good. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, so I'd love to hear your story um, and just kind of hear not only how you, um, kind of what your background and experience has been, but kind of where you got to where you are now. Because that's what I that's what I see play out in real time most often is because we're connected on social media and mm-hmm. kind of seeing the things that um, resonate with you and the things that you repost and the things that you create and say. Um, so yeah, I'd love to I'd love to just hear about your story and and who you are. Um, okay, so where do I begin? <laughs> I have a very long story, but to keep it short, um, well, I, my, both my parents are from West Africa, from Cameroon. Okay. So, um, they're both immigrants from, and then they moved here and met, mm-hmm. met here in the States, um, and had me. Mm-hmm. So I'm the oldest of three younger siblings. Mm-hmm. And that already, I feel like kind of shares why I got, ended up in these groups is because in African culture, Cameroonian culture, you know, the oldest child is like, there's a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, so I think I always kind of just like grew up feeling a lot of pressure to please okay. my parents and to just like make them proud. But the way that I, like what naturally, what came natural to me was um, obviously to do what I was passionate about, which was singing and performing. Cause that's yeah. what I always, you know, loved from the time I was three years old. And is that something that-, that they supported? No, (laughs) not at all. So that's like, I feel like what kind of 
started to get me to feel a little bit disconnected from myself. Mm, Um, Because my parents, I mean, I I get it from their perspective. Like, they moved to America to give, you know, them and, you know, all their kids, like, a better life. So Mm. in their mind, going to college and getting a degree and becoming a doctor or a lawyer is, like, the ideal the better life. Sure. Yeah. Um, But I didn't grow up with that paradigm. So I all I knew was what naturally came out of me, what wanted to come out of me Mm. was just to just express myself in the way that, you know, was the most authentic, Yeah, which was singing. And so to them, they were not expecting that at all. And that's not a common thing in like in African culture at all to like want to be a singer. That's not like something that anyone aspires to in their, in their, Mm. you know, in their, like what they're used to. So it just created a lot of tension between us. Um, and I kind of felt like I had to kind of push a lot of that stuff down. I still, I still sang and I still performed and I did musical theater and choir and show choir going up and I would perform everywhere I could, but they were never there. They never really supported it. They never really like kind of validated that dream. So I always had self doubt and insecurity about that because I always felt like, wait, am I actually talented? Am I actually good? Like, Mm. do I have what it takes? All that kind of stuff. Um, but I, but I think the bigger thing that it did was it caused me to feel like I didn't fully know what was best for me or like a, a sense of self-doubt yep. that I think is kind of what allows these types of experiences with spiritual abuse to occur. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so when I turned 17, I my parents moved um, – to a, I was born in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and um, they moved from one part of town to another, and it was like halfway through my junior year, and for whatever reason around that time, I just started to have a desire to like have a spiritual, a spiritual life, a spiritual connection. Like mm-hmm. I always would go to Catholic schools with my parents, or not Catholic schools, sorry, Catholic churches. Both my parents um, in Cameroon, they went to Catholic schools. My mom okay. went to an all-girls Catholic school. My dad went to all-guys Catholic school. And so you so, were kind of raised, like, nominally religious. Like, it was kind of there, but it wasn't, like, a huge part of your life, or was it? Yeah. No, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was huge. I mean, in my parents' eyes, it was my religion. It was my sure. faith because okay. it was theirs, and that's, like, yep. you know, what you're supposed to do is just go along with what your parents do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did get, like, my first communion and we'd go to church, like, every now and then, like, on occasions or, like, when my parents just felt like it. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that we did every single Sunday religiously. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely an identity thing for them. Mm. So, like, that's kind of what they expected me to do, to just kind of take that on. But I never fully felt connected to it. Um, sure. So when I turned 17 and I started to have this desire to have, like, a real, like, spiritual, like, identity, I guess, that felt true to me. It wasn't that. And I was like, well, I don't know what it is. And I don't know how to, like, figure that out. So I'm just going to, like, you know, do whatever comes my way kind yeah. of thing. shop around. Um, yeah. And then um, when my parents – so when we moved, like, around that time, I didn't really have any friends at my new school. And it was already hard enough for me to, like, feel like I fit in in school just because I'm African. My name is, mm. like – that's yeah. not a common name. And people sure. would be like, what? Yeah. And like, you know, I was like probably one of, I don't know, four or five like black kids in my school growing up. Like, the Midwest you know, is tough with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so 
that alone made it hard. And then, like, I moved halfway through the year, so it was just, like, an awkward time to try to make friends. Mm. Um, so, like, the first people that I connected with were these group of girls. I, like, walked up to them, I think, during lunch and just asked if I could sit with them. And they were like, yeah, sure. And they were, like, a group of, like, I think five or six girls that had all, like, grown up together. And they were all really close. And they were all Christians. Okay. And they all went to Young Life. Okay. Um, so that's how I, like, started going to, like, I guess, Christian churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started going with them. Like, I don't know. I just kind of did it honestly because I just wanted – to hang out with them. <laughs> I didn't really like, do it too too much because yeah. of the religious part. But then when I started to like hear what they were talking about, I'm like, well, I actually have been wanting to like follow, you know, have some sort of relationship with God and maybe this is it, you know, kind of a thing. Mm. Um, so I mean, anyways, all that to say, uh, I ended up going to a camp with them that they invited me to and I heard like the Christian gospel message and had like a really emotional experience which looking back was like all full of shame and guilt (laughs) but I thought because the way that they kind of set it up is like you know God is like moving in your heart and that's why you're feeling all that like emotion Mm, not not the lights not the fog machine not like the heightened emotional sense in the room it's it's God it's for sure right not not the fact that we literally just watched like a five-minute video of passion of the christ oh, i knew and... it i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> i was like i remember that i remember that manipulation tool Whew. yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah it was super manipulative now looking back i'm like oh my gosh because they kind of like they set it up to like the first day it was just like a meeting about like because um, every day there'd be like a different speaker i don't yeah. I think it was the same speaker but he'd share a different message and the yeah. first day it was like this is why we're all like doomed basically this is why like, we're, why all we're all sinners yeah. and <laughs> yeah and then like the second day is like you know um like, because I think the first day was, like, about how we're separated from God and we need a Savior. Yeah. And, like, the second day was about, like, who Jesus is and why he came. And then the third day was, like, you know, showing the movie or whatever. So, well, at that point, I was already kind of, like, had gone through all the other stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, they, they're, it was really clever. Actually, looking back, yeah. I'm like, it's really clever yeah, how they smart. do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Like, let it, like, slowly build. Because then afterwards, after, like, the sessions, we'd, like, go back to the cabin and talk about it. And then it makes you even more emotionally invested. Yeah. So anyways, so we I like watched the movie and then I like walked outside and I looked up at the sky and I remember feeling this deep feeling of like I'm such a sinner. Like I had so much guilt and so much like shame about and I started like sobbing and feeling so bad about like everything in my mind that I perceived I had ever done wrong. Um, and so I started like confessing all these things. Like from the time I like literally went in my mem- my memory from like the, my earliest memory to like that moment, and yeah. like said every single thing I ever thought I did wrong. <laughs> and it was just like you know going on and on about that, and you know kind of you know went through whatever like the confession prayer was or say Jesus be my savior prayer. Um, and yeah, and so then I was like, okay, like this is what I'm doing, and. Um, when I made that decision, I, like, fully owned it. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm the kind of person, too, like, I'm a very passionate person. Like, anything that I'm passionate about, I like to be extreme. Like, anything I can't, you I'm do, not... you do fully. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not really, like, a person that's, like, you know, moderately enjoy something. Like, anything mm-hmm. I enjoy, any person that I like, I, like, love them. Or, yeah. like, I love whatever it is. So, that's, like, how I was with this. I, like, completely wholeheartedly like went all in yeah. and I, I came out I came home because during the um during the like the speech he gave he even talked about I remember he was like 
you know, we don't always think that we have idols because we were talking about like, you know, how we can't, we shouldn't have any other idols but God. Sure. We often don't think that we should have idols, that we have idols, but like think about like, you know, the people that you look up to. Like he, he's like, you know, a lot of you girls are worshiping the Jonas Brothers. What? And he like what? literally what? Said, the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah, he literally said that. I and, and, was expect. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> oh my God! Wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. and he's like, you know, um, that's idolatry. Like you're putting them above God, Holy whatever. Shit. So I remember, like, yeah. I remember sitting there because I, like I said, I'm a singer, right? And right. I like, that's been my dream for the time I was little. I've had <sighs> so many different, like, you know, people that I like was inspired by that I would consider my idols, like mm. Christina Aguilera and yeah. Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, like people that really inspired me as a child. So when I was sitting <sighs> there and he was saying that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. Oh, like no. this entire oh, my time. God, no, that like for you to be carrying that specific story into that setting, like it cuts so deep. To the point where you're like, I feel convicted and this message like must be for me and I need to get rid of the things I've been doing or the person that I am. Oh, I feel that. That is so, oh, oh God. I hate yeah. it. I hate yeah. it. Wow. So I literally, as soon as I got back, threw away every single CD I owned because oh. I had like, you know, all these CDs of people that I loved and I had posters all over my room. Oh. I like ripped on all the posters. I threw away all my DVDs, all my <sighs> CDs, everything because I was just like, you know, this is what I have to do because they because they were talking about you know like because the the whole thing with the groups that I was a part of, it wasn't just about being a Christian. It was about being like the most radical like on fire Christian yeah. you could be. Being so sold out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, and I was already gonna take it to that level anyway. So sure. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, yeah, this is what I had to do. So I I like threw away all my stuff, and my mom like remember being like, "Are you okay? Like, <clears throat> what has gotten into you? Like, yeah. this is." very extreme or whatever. Um, and then they found out that I had become a Christian and that created a huge issue with my parents. Really? Um, because that was like their worst nightmare for me <laughs> oh my God. as, as Catholics. Cause in wow. Cameroon, like in their particular where they're from, like being Catholic is like an identity. It's like sure. a social thing too. Yes. And mm. you know, like they, they just never, cause they would always talk about born again. I remember them saying it as I was growing up, talking about born again Christians, and it was always a negative connotation, but mm. I didn't understand why, and I didn't know what that was, so right. I didn't, like, look into it. But then after I, like, became one, I was like, oh, that's what they were that's talking why. about. Okay. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, so so that created a huge issue with my parents, and um, a year later, I ended up, I just kind of, like, slowly started meeting more, because the people that I initially became Christians through were in Young Life, which is a non-denominational ministry, but um, the leaders that I had were Calvinists. Okay. So, like, they were, like, the most extreme. Yep. <laughs> I feel like yep. one of the most extreme groups you can be connected to, like, straight oh, out yes. the gate. Oh, yes. And um, all of the, you know, everything that they would tell me is just, like, you know, you're so lucky. That we're so blessed to have been chosen by God. Like, <gasps> you know. Oh, you know. And it makes me feel so strange in my body to hear <laughs> sentences like that anymore. I know. So I know. And I remember, I still remember how it felt when she said it. She said, she's like, you know, I don't. I'm just so blessed that I, I was chosen. Like, I don't know if my mom is going to be chosen or if my dad Holy was chosen. Shit. And, like, I remember having this, like, fear when she said that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What? Oh. Like, on the one hand, it's it, like it makes this conflicted feeling because you're like, oh, well, yes. I'm so glad that I was chosen yeah. and I'm not going to hell. But then it's like, well, shit, like, 
my parents are like my yeah. my whole family you know I'm what I mean I'm still a human person that has empathy within me so that's gonna bother me and it's almost like they don't say this directly but it's almost like the way to to feel better about that is to slowly and steadily lose your empathy it's really weird it's super bizarre. yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly um and so that was very hard because I was like, well, I don't know what to do. And so mm-hmm. I started like telling my parents, you guys are going to hell. Like I was like mm-hmm. telling them like all this stuff. And then that just made them even more freaked out. Cause they're wow. just like, oh, gosh, she's literally doing like exactly <laughs> what we, like, you know, our yeah. worst nightmares. So, wow. so yeah. And then I ended up um, becoming friends with a group of people that were connected to international house of prayer. Oh, there it is. I was waiting yeah. for that one. <laughs> Yeah, so there was, like, after I graduated from high school, I went to, um, I was going to this community college, and I lived on campus at OSU with a bunch of people that were Young Life leaders, and I was kind of, like, on my way to being becoming a Young Life leader, because that's what mm-hmm. I thought I wanted, and then I met this other group on campus that they did Campus Crusade for Christ, okay. and they, there was, a, like, I guess, there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of them, there's, like, 300 people, I think, in Campus Crusade for Christ at OSU, but there was a group of, like, 30 of them that had just had this, like, I guess, what do they call it, revival mm-hmm. thing, where, like, they realized, like, oh, no, oh, my, oh my gosh, there's the Holy Spirit, and there's <laughs> gifts, and there's, you, you can speak in tongues, and yeah. God can talk to you, and all this kind of stuff, so that was, like, something that had been happening within that small group, mm. and that was the group that I had, like, met, um, so, and I was always, like, wanting to be more and more, like, radical and intense, so I was, mm. like, started to become more interested in what they were doing, than the young life people because they were young life people were more like evangelical mm-hmm. um and so anyways so I started becoming friends with them and then I was okay like they kept talking about IHOP and stuff and mm-hmm. how they had been there and how it's really awesome and I need to go so I went with them to what was it it was just like one of their like prayer meetings that they were having because they had this like period of time where they were doing weekly like church meetings I guess and okay. people were having all these crazy experiences at IHOP or in your at your college? At IHOP. So at we IHOP. traveled okay. from Ohio to Kansas City. Wow. Okay. Um, and we also, they have this, like, youth conference every year. One for, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing. Yep. So we did that, too. But when I went there the first time, I got baptized at the church or at Damn. their service or whatever. Wow. And it was, like, and I had, like, a really crazy experience. And I was just, like, holy crap. Because it was, it, it was trippy because it's, like, I did feel, like, the feeling of, like, whatever it was, I don't know what it was, but there was, like, a real, like, energy that I felt. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a very real real experiences that obviously mm. made me just, like, feed into it even more. Like, oh, wow, like, this is where I need to be. And, yep. of course, they kind of encouraged me to feel like that. They were like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, you need to come to school. You need to do the internship. Girl, those and feelings so, are what got me to move to another fucking country. I get it. I do. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, by the time I left, I had already committed, like, I'm moving here. Wow. Like, this is what, this is what I'm doing with my life. I Like, this, I found it. Like, what I was looking for, this is what it was, and I found it, and I'm going to, like, commit to it. So I moved back. Um, I already kind of gave up my dreams to be a singer and everything like that. So um, I moved back, or not moved back, sorry. I traveled back to Ohio and told my school that I was dropping out I was in the middle of like you know I think I was about to start like my second year of college I can't fully remember it was like in between my first and second year um so I dropped out of school told my parents I was moving they freaked out (laughs) 
and I just moved. Like I just packed up my things and moved in um, by myself. And I didn't even really know how I was going to do everything. Like they told me that they were going to, they provided like housing and transportation because they have like shuttles that take you basically from the apartment that they own to church and back. Like that's like the only places that you go. Um, yep. So I didn't, so I didn't, I'm like, okay, I don't need a car. You know, I can just like go and they'll feed me and whatever. So I did. And I, and it was, I did this, the six month internship. Um, and Girl, our stories it, are so similar. This is really? Me out. Yes. I did all of this, but in England, the house of prayer in wow. England. Yeah. They're like plant their first European plan was house of prayer Europe. So everything you're saying about like, how little do I need? Um, they'll take care of this. I don't go anywhere except from where I lived to the house of prayer. And it was six months long. All of this, this is wild. It's so similar. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's crazy because, um, I didn't, really care like what happened I was just like I just know this is where I want to be and I don't really need to know all the details like I'm just gonna go and I trust that God's going to take care of me so I didn't really research anything about it I had no idea really like what it was other than when I went to that you know that church service that I had come there for like a couple weeks before Mm -hmm. but that was like that was my first time going was when I went there that like you know a couple weeks before so I didn't realize how I don't think I would have realized it anyways because I was already under the impression that everything that they were doing was good sure, <laughs> and from absolutely. and from God and everything yep. but yeah I didn't realize how toxic the environment was yeah. um and then I just got there and I like just kind of consumed everything like you know because we we do like classes every single day and yep. then we'd have six hours in the prayer room every day yeah um from like I think six to midnight and that was like my life for six months but it was actually like the particular time that I went was different than like the normal internships because they had just stopped doing their weekly meetings and decided to like because I guess they said one of their their prophets or whatever said that God (laughs) told him that they need to to end the weekly prayer meetings because they had been having it for like a year and a half where people were like getting healed and miracles were happening and all this like creative stuff and they were like okay we're going to stop doing this because God wants us to go back and focus on praying Mm. and mm-hmm. like focus on the fear the fear of god and oh. so that oh. was the yeah that was when i that's when i came during the oh. fear part and that oh, was oh goody like, <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like great i like came here because i wanted to experience like all the the, the intimacy the romantic language the being in love and enamored by jesus and you're like no we get the fear i get the fear i arrived for the fear I get it. I yeah. ride for the militarism over in England, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, and so that was literally what it was. It was like fear 24-7, and it was all about, like, you know, Jesus is coming back in our lifetime, and we have to usher in Jesus' return, yes. and right. how, like, yep. you know, you have to make sure that you're going to make it through the tribulation, and yep. it was just a lot, it was just a lot of, like, fear around, am I doing enough? Yeah. to make sure that I it's because it's like one am I close enough with God to where like I know for sure yeah. I'm gonna get into heaven right. and not like go to hell but also like am I gonna make it through the tribulation like because that it's was the whole such thing manipulative <laughs> so, language like we I don't know about you guys but like we had people who were dropping out of medical school and like leaving their uh like or dropping out that was I mixed it up they were leaving their medical practice we had people who were dropping out of law school 
and we have people who were like foregoing going to college. We had people like folks who had were married with multiple children who are quitting their jobs like because there is this really manipulative narrative of the more you sacrifice here the more you will gain later so yep. whatever you sacrifice here it pales in comparison so if you suffer in any way even including financial suffering or foregoing you know building your career which also building your career would be selfish because doing anything yeah this work is selfish right so it's just so manipulative to just to bring people in to like do this thing which is essentially just singing to an empty fucking room for mm -hmm. hours a day and people were like doctors were leaving their jobs to do this because yeah. they thought there was something better for them on the other side of after Jesus comes back which is what we're all trying to do to all trying to make happen faster like it's right but when you're in it honestly seriously when you're in it you think it is the most important thing in the world and you don't even question it. It's so yeah. weird. As I'm saying it to you right now, I'm like, that's fucking crazy. It's clearly <laughs> fucking crazy. But I was there. I I left everything I had and moved to a different country to do this. And you left everything you had and moved to a different community to do this. And like for the, a different were, state. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like foregoing. You dropped out of college for this. And and at the time, it feels so real and it feels so important. And now looking back, we're like, what the hell? Truly, what in the world? But it's just so bizarre. And you said spiritual abuse earlier, and that is accurate. Like, it's so bizarre that when you're in it, it feels so intensely real to you and more valuable than anything else in the world. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I remember actually, because um, they even said, they did say, they were like, you know, if you the more that you do I forget how they put it because they even said there was like certain rewards yes like, there's a hierarchy in heaven just, there's levels in yeah. heaven there's levels and the more that you sacrifice here the more sold out you are here the more you get later and the more they even said the more closer physically closer you're yes. going to be in proximity to, to the Jesus. person of Jesus yes your your guy at IHOP in Kansas City Mike Bickle he got the oh. same thing that Ken got um, the pastor that was at this house of prayer Europe, they got the same thing at the same time for like this vision for 24 seven prayer. So I'm not surprised. So like everything you heard, I heard and vice versa. Like it's, Oh that wow. Shit is wild. God. Yes. Keep going. Yeah. Continue. I remember like one, having one uh, moment when I was in the prayer room after I had just gotten, I think I'd only been there for a couple days and someone had just given a message about something like that, about how like, we're so blessed to be, the ones that are like, you know, we were called mm. to be here and mm -hmm. whatever. And like, we get to usher in Jesus's return and da da da. da. And I remember like sobbing and being mm. like, God, I'm so thankful that I get to be here right now. Like, I'm so thankful that I found this and like, yeah, whatever it was. And like, genuinely meaning it. And I remember committing that I was going to be there forever, like for the yeah. rest of my life. Yes. Like, that's what I was going to devote my Me life too. to. I still have voice memos on my phone that I. I can't listen to because the level of emotional that I got when I was like, because I would record some of my sessions that I would lead, like my worship, you know, slots uh -huh. that I would lead. And there were some of those that were so intimate and I could still use that word for it because whatever it is that I thought I was getting close to, I felt so close to. And they were so charged and so intimate and felt so real. And I still have those on my phone and I can't. I can't listen to them because the me that was in that moment, like it feel, I, I still don't really know where to put her. I really don't because it, it I, I, 
girl, like everything you're saying, I resonate with so deeply. Like it felt like the most real thing in the whole world at that point in time. Like it just, it, you feel, you feel so lucky. You feel so privileged. You feel so blessed. You feel so like you, you have this giant secret you're carrying inside of you that other people don't have access to. And it's just, and you feel like what you're doing is the most important work that could ever be done in the world. And you genuinely, truly feel like you're giving your whole, the whole rest of your life to doing it because it's that important. Yeah, exactly. And like, they, they have a way of like manipulate. like for example, like my name, so I mentioned earlier, my name is it means mm. if God is willing. Yeah. Um. So I was born three and a half months premature, and I wasn't oh, supposed to live, and wow. I was in the incubator for like three months after I was born, and I was one mm. pound. Oh um, my God. Yeah, I was one pound fifteen ounces when I was born, and so like I grew up here, and like I was a miracle baby, and like I, you know, I I, I wasn't supposed to be here, but I am, and like you know, like basically my name is like a prayer, like if God is willing, she'll wow. live. Um. So I always. And I don't think it was just because of that, but, like, I had, like, a sense of, like, why am I here? You know, why did I live? Like, kind of always, like, questioning, like, not really questioning, like, I shouldn't be here, but just kind of, like, you know, obviously I feel like I have a sense of purpose that, like, yes. I, I, I wasn't supposed to be here, and I am. And so when I came to, like, this this church, and they're, like, saying all this stuff, like, you know, you were chosen for such a time mm. as this, and, like, you're going to be the forerunners, like, and all these things. It's like, yep. oh, that's it. That's, that's why. why I'm here. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So it, it kind of like it gives like an answer to a question you've been carrying your whole life. Exactly. Yeah. And so any other reason that I thought I was here, like oh. paled in comparison. I was Including like, Including oh. singing, which is the thing that you love. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Including the thing that makes my heart come alive more than anything oh, else. Wow. And mm. and of course they oh my gosh, they that's a whole other thing. Like they would mm-hmm. talk about the entertainment industry and uh-huh. say like it's from the devil yes. and it's demon possessed yep. and you're literally opening up yourself to demons when you yep. listen to not just non Christian music, but music that isn't specifically their music. Their type of Christian music. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um while simultaneously so like, also offering you because IHOP has like a a standing within the Christian music arena. So like they're also simultaneously offering you a platform. And dangling a yep. carrot in front of you of you could be the next Misty Edwards. You could be the next whoever. And so when you have that like interconnection of, or that intersection of, I am a singer. That's what I'm here for. And I love it. And they're like, oh, well, you can do that in the most purified possible version of it. And it's it this, this like option of reality is open to you. That keeps you in there longer than you would normally be in there too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, because that planted a seed of fear that I had to work through for at least like four or five years about Mm. even after I left IHOP I still had the fear of it being okay for me to be in the mainstream entertainment world like how I originally wanted to like Mm. even though I'm like I removed myself from it like I just still had that fear lofty standards for a church that talked so much about grace and rest and God why were we made to feel so damn deficient so inadequate all the time 
Why did most sermons somehow ultimately boil down to how we needed to pray more, serve more, worship more, witness more, give more? Why did pastors try to save people just so that they could come to church and be told week after week they weren't saved enough? We told people that God poured out all his wrath on Jesus so that he could save them from hell. But then we also told them that anyone who doesn't believe that would spend eternity suffering God's wrath anyway. I guess some wrath was held back from Jesus after all, and the God who tortures people never left my mind, even after being saved by this God. If I've learned anything, it's that this system talks peace, but what it really sold me on was performance. Intimacy with God dangled in front of me like a carrot while I was told to run the treadmill. It got me nowhere. It left me empty and confused about a God who supposedly loved me and yet remained so distant and temperamental. A God who would allow me to be born imperfect through no choice of my own and then hold me accountable for that through fear of an eternity of torture and then claimed to be so nice because he wanted to save me from what he was going to do to me for my audacity in being born. And I'm sorry, I'm not impressed by God's perfection. I don't think I ever really was. If you want for nothing, if you suffer no hunger or thirst or need for clothing or shelter or sleep, if you know only abundance and never scarcity, never competition which exists in this world and which so drives humanity to all of its ugliness. Why would I be impressed? What's so special about your perfection? Perfection is easy if you need nothing. But the smallest act of selfless human love and decency is more impressive to me than all of God's lofty, disconnected perfection. It means more when we do it. We're the ones who actually suffer, lack, and die. If I am to imagine reconstructing faith and belief, it can't just be the same God with better politics. It's not enough to just start calling that God she instead when I'm still praying and singing to a withholding God. If I am to believe, I need to know a whole new God, one who isn't vindictive or retributive. It would have to be a God who actually is all of the things I was told the first God was one who brings peace and rest, and who would never stop saving everything. Even if the kids didn't recognize or respond to the love, a good parent would love and preserve them anyway. I'm a dad now. I refuse to entertain the idea of any God who's a worse parent than I am. But for most Christians I've known, the bar is just that low. It's on the floor. And the weekly message hovering over us is that we're never good enough. We're supposed to be overwhelmed with peace and joy at that focus. It doesn't work. Like, there was a huge emphasis on fasting, too. Yeah. So that was, like, really mm. hard for me because, like, they they made you fast. In my internship, not necessarily the full church. I'm not sure how the church did it. But with my internship, we were supposed to be, like, the ones that were kind of being prepared to be leaders. Sure. So... Like, they had us um, fast the first week of every month, and then also one day a week. So, like, and if you didn't do those, like, you were really shunned. You were kind of, like, seen as, like, not spiritual enough, not, like, you know, on fire for God or whatever. And um, and the, and not just any kind of fast. It had to be water. Like that. Like they made a very strict point of it being water. 
And they even had this woman from Israel come and talk to us and talk about how she's had these supernatural encounters through fasting for like two months on water. And like, I know. She literally said that, and they had her speak to us for, like, an hour about, like, all the benefits of it and how much closer to God she feels and how God just supernaturally sustains her body. And, like, and they were, like, encouraged. And we're, like, oh 18, God. 19, 20, 20-year-old, oh, 20 mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then I remember, so after that, one of the people in our internship, one of the kids in our internship, he, he was like, okay, like, I feel like God's having us call a fast, like, a, a 40-day fast for our internship. And he was like, it has to be a Daniel fast. So we were like, okay, cool. Like, it's not like water. All water. Days yeah. straight, but it's like, whatever. So when the leader of, of that class, because the class that um, we did, with that that woman came and spoke to, there was this teacher, this guy, his name, I forget his name, but, oh no, his name's Corey Russell. I remember. Corey Russell. Oh my God. Um, he came to, he came to ours too. He came really? to House of Prayer Europe. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember being bummed out because it wasn't the famous Corey. <laughs> So he threw a fit when he found out that we were doing a Daniel fast. He was like, that's not a real fast. If you guys really want to be spiritual and really want to connect with God, you need to do a water fast. And like, he like shamed us for only doing a Daniel fast. So then like (laughs) everybody that was doing it felt like obligated to, to do it like for on water and it was a 40 day fast like literally and um and that was that was a moment when I started to be like okay I don't know how I feel about this because one it's already hard enough for me to fast because I have a really fucking like fast metabolism Mm, (laughs) like um it's just not good for me to not eat but also like for that long doing just water that's Mm -mm. just not healthy (laughs) and like it just started even like even though I was so conditioned my logical mind started to kick in and just be like that doesn't seem right (laughs) something doesn't seem right about that and I remember talking about it with one of the leaders and she was like oh well this I was like are you sure that fasting is like like how do you know it's like making us closer to God like how can you prove that I started asking questions and she just was Mm. like you know basically do what you're told kind of a thing um Yeah. yeah so she didn't give me any real answers to it but I remember having this moment where I was praying about it and I heard this voice say like say said this verse I can't remember what the verse was but when I looked up the verse it was a verse that was about how like this uh I think it was like a Pharisee came to the church and was like you know thank you God that I'm not like this woman that um is such a sinner Mm -hmm. or whatever and that I fast however many times a week and I, I go to church religiously and basically in it like Jesus was saying like this person thinks that they're closer to God because they do all these things, but they're not. The point was just to say, like, what you're doing, what you think you're doing isn't making you any better than anyone else. And I was, like, reading that, and I'm like, and this is something that I literally felt like God told me because I I prayed about it, and that was the verse I got. So I was like, wait, what? And I was, like, so confused. I'm like, God is literally telling me something that's opposite from what these people are telling me. Which, looking back, I just feel like (laughs) that was just my my own intuition, my own inner inner guidance. Absolutely. but, like, I was like, okay, so this is weird. But I'm like, okay, well, I want to be obedient, so I'm not going to do it. So I didn't fast anymore. And I remember that being, like, weird. And I started getting, like, I don't know, like, weird looks from people and just being treated a little bit differently. Um, and so that also made me start questioning things, too. I'm like, why does it matter, like, so much? You know what I mean? It was – it. there was a lot of, like, um, I think trauma that happened, too, around – 
trusting that I was good in good standing with God. They had this guy come and talk to us and say, like, you know, basically he shared his experience about how he was a huge pastor in Uganda. He had, like, all these people come to his church all the time. He had, like, thousands of people, church members. And he was known in Uganda for healing people, all these miracles and all this stuff. And how one time he said he, Jesus came into his room and told him that if he was to die today, he wouldn't be going to heaven. What? Yeah, and we were all, I remember, I still remember him saying that, and like the, the, because Mike, Mike Bickle literally had this man come in because he was visiting from Uganda or wherever, and he had, he called an emergency meeting to the entire mission space, so every single person, all the students, oh all the God. staff, everyone had to come and like listen to this guy talk, and so he shared this message, and Michael was like, I really thought this was a timely message, and we needed to hear this, and God wants us to hear this, and so he says this, and with all of us collectively just gasped when he said that because we were all just being like, holy shit. That's if fucking he, horrifying. If he's not going to heaven, or if Jesus mm. said that he wasn't going to heaven and, and he was doing all that stuff, then we're sure as hell not going to heaven. That is so, like, that is so abusive. Yeah. God. And so he told us that story and he's like, um, you know, if we, it, like, basically like what Jesus was, he said, what Jesus said to him was that the reason why is because he started showing him his thoughts and how, like, he would look at women when they were walking down the street and, like, have, quote-unquote, lustful thoughts about them. Oh, and, like, God. you know, somebody got a promotion at something and he would feel envy or jealousy and, like, you know, basically all his, like, subconscious thoughts that he wasn't aware of hmm. meant that he was, like, rotten on the inside and he wasn't actually holy, he wasn't actually close to God, even though he was doing oh, all these God. miracles and outward things that made people think he was. And so basically he told the story about how like his whole life changed and he had to like come to terms with the fact that he was secretly like a horrible person and he didn't realize it Holy until you said that. <laughs> like, so we're like sitting there all scared shitless. Like, Oh no. Like we're not, I'm not converting millions of people in my church. I don't have all these, you know, things like that I can say I've done. So if someone like that isn't even close to God, like I definitely am not close to God and I'm definitely like terrified now that I'm going to hell. Mm. And so it made everyone even more scared. It like upped the like fear level even more. And that it just, the whole like energy of that place, like, I look back on it and I'm like, it was just so toxic. Cause yeah. it wasn't even just like fear, like in general, it was like specifically related to like, am I going to be like die? Am I going to go to hell? Like, am I a good person? Like all these like mm. really scary things. To, like, yeah. And so anyway, so after all of that, like I just, um, I, I, I graduated from the internship and then I ended up getting a chance to be on their staff for their, uh, their youth camp. They mm -hmm. had like a, um, a camp for middle school and high school students. So I was like one of the camp counselors and I don't think that – so looking back, I feel like I my, like, maternal motherly nature started to kick in and I wasn't, like, terrible. But there was <laughs> one thing that I remember saying looking back that I'm like, wow, that was so ridiculous that I said that to that girl because um, they told – they had this thing called the power of a focused life, which is basically, like, Mike Bickle's, um, like, I guess, schedule of how he, like, lives every single day. He has, like, his whole day mapped out oh. 15 in 15-minute increments. Oh, my God. Like, from this time to this time, I, like, read the Bible. From this time to this time, I fast. Or from this time to this time, I pray. From this time to this time, I, like, do whatever. So it's, like, he was basically saying, like, we have to have, like, such focused lives and, like, make sure every single thing in our in our 
day and our month and our year is devoted to God. Otherwise, we're not doing enough, basically. Wow. And so it makes you like paranoid with how how you're spending every single second. <laughs> like literally, I'm like I couldn't like do anything without feeling like oh no, I could like if I was like watching a movie or something, I would feel like, but I could be reading the Bible right now. Right. I could be yeah. like, you know what I mean? So it just makes everything like scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so anyway, so I remember like sharing that with that girl and that was the only thing that I look back and I'm like, I really regret saying that to her mm. because I was basically saying like, you know, you need to go back home and like plan out your, your day and plan out like what you're going to do. And cause that's like what they told us. And I'm like, that's not even natural or normal to like yeah. do that and to spend your time like that. But anyways, so I did the camp counseling thing. And for, for whatever reason, after the camp was over, I just felt like I, I started to have this feeling that I wasn't supposed to be there anymore. And mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't anything dramatic. It wasn't like, it was just, a, a, just this inner knowing that I wasn't supposed to be yeah. there anymore. And I still was like a Christian, but I was just like, it just doesn't feel like I'm supposed to be here. So... I just left. <laughs> I just wow. left. Like it was like so simple. Wow. But the like repercussions of all of that stuff affected me for at least four or five years. I like I was that. tormented yeah. by fear. Like mm. for a very long time. <laughs> mm. And so and and not to like jump too far ahead, but I also want to be like mindful of like our time, like and your mm. time. Um you know, knowing like leaving that and then being tormented with all of that fear and how visceral that is, how real that is for a number of years. How, like, where are you now and how did you get to the place where you are now? Um, it took me a very long time. So I left IHOP in 2011. Um, and I still was in the church for another, yeah, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I was in the church, like I was a Christian for nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a very long time. Cause what I did, I just started going to like less and less scary churches sure. and I eventually <laughs> evolved out of it completely. Yeah. But, um, it took a very long time of just like, first I, it switched from like me having a fear-based view of God to like having a more loving view mm-hmm. of God. And then starting to realize like, maybe there's other path to God other than just Christianity and trying to question that and like just kind of slowly asking more questions and slowly like opening my mind to other things. Um, But the biggest thing I think that happened was I had like a time in my life, it was like in 2015 when just like everything in my life fell apart, like everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least in ways that made me feel like my life fell apart. Looking back, I'm like, my life had fallen apart way, way before then. But... Um, I had a best friend that I, that like we broke up basically. And that was devastating for me because at the time, like I wasn't in communication with my family, like me moving to IHOP, me dropping out of school, like severed my relationship with my, my parents and my family and made me kind of like the scapegoat of the family. So they, I was like kind of made an example of, and they were like, Oh, well, she's like, she went down this horrible path. And like, we Mm -hmm. don't want my, you know, to my siblings, we don't want you going down that path. So I just like, didn't feel connection to my family anymore. And so I was just kind of like going to these churches to kind of get that sense of family. Yeah. But, um, so, but like, yeah. So anyways, when I broke up with my friend or my friend and I had that like falling out, I felt very alone. And mm-hmm. then um, I just, like, I just didn't have anything anymore. Like, I was just, like, so confused because I kind of, like, left church 
at that point because I was kind of like questioning a lot more. But I had just moved to a different. I moved to Atlanta at one point to live with my cousin, and when I was there, I was just kind of disconnected from like anyone or anything familiar. And then I, my best friend and I weren't friends anymore. So I just like the first time of me feeling completely by myself. Yeah. And I was like, man, I need to start like. I'm either gonna like kill myself or mm-hmm. I'm going to heal, like learn how to get healthy, basically. So that was like my only options. So yeah. I just started like Googling how to heal from trauma and how to like um, mm-hmm. love yourself or whatever, wow. how to trust your intuition. And I just like slowly started to. Girl, when I came out of all of that, I had to, I I audited a co- audited a course through UC Berkeley on the science of happiness because I was desperate to know what it would feel like to be happy. Oh my gosh. Yep. I get it. I know it's it's just like so crazy that we that idea of even being happy is like yes. so far fetched. It's so elusive. But yeah, so I just started to slowly like work on just doing a lot of inner work, a lot of inner healing, going back into my childhood and working through all this yeah. pain and trauma and what even created the foundation to be able to like be susceptible to these groups um in the first place and like then like working through all the stuff that I actually experienced and like it took a very long time like I would say I officially left church for good because I was kind of still hung on loosely to church I just still felt even though I didn't really believe any of it anymore and I was still kind of like this is all bullshit and it's all like not (laughs) like not really how I want to see the world um I still was really scared of what life would look like outside of Mm -hmm. being in this you know, environment, because yeah. I just yeah. didn't know who I was outside of it. Yeah. You know, basically my entire youth was spent, like, from the time I was 17 till 26. Wow. So, and I'm 27 now, I turned 27 in April. So, um, it was just like, how do I live life outside of it, you know? So, I, it took me a long time to finally let that go, and it wasn't until last July that I officially, wow. like, stopped going, like, altogether. Mm. Um like, I had been going to churches that were pretty surface level at that point, but they were still churches. Yeah. And I still felt like I couldn't, like, fully let it go. And then I finally got the courage, and I think I had I'd healed enough to where I could stand up, stand on my own two feet enough to be like, okay, I think I can do this. Like, I think wow. I can, like, be in the world outside of Christianity mm. and maybe learn how to be friends with people that aren't Christians. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, it's real. Yeah, wow. like learn how to like figure, uh, kind of reconnect with myself, reconnect with who I actually am and what I actually love and what I actually want to do with my life and what actually matters to me um, instead and of like what I'm supposed to. <laughs> and you're doing it now, right? Like you're, you're, cause you're in Los Angeles and you're singing and you're doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I moved out to Reading to be a part of Bethel for a bit. So I was there mm. for a couple of years or three years. And that was like how I initially moved to California. Um, I was there for like, a ministry school. And then when I left the church, um, I came to LA and I like intentionally came to do music and to pursue mm-hmm. my dream that I had from the time I was little that I yes. wasn't able to pursue for awesome. all those years. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. And good. yeah. Amazing. And that has definitely felt very good to just like reclaim that part of myself. Cause it's a huge part of me. You, know, you can't like... see me, but I'm like fist bumping the air. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. And yet you have like, and people, and like, people care about that being your dream. Like people care and people are championing you and people know that you're good at it. Like you have like 20,000 followers on Instagram or something like that. Like, like 
this is clearly what you're here for. And it's, it's, I'm so proud of you for reclaiming that space within yourself and for reclaiming that, even though, cause I, girl, I know like those narratives try and take that from you and try and tell you that like, if it's what you want, that means it's wrong. If it's what you want, that means it's selfish. And that's, you know, against God's will or all of that. But so I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing the thing that you're here for now and that you're owning it. And it's, it's extremely powerful. You're extremely talented. This it's, it's very obvious that this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I, it's not lost on me, all of the bits and pieces that you had to fight through to get to this point of doing that. It's huge. And I'm super proud of you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it took me six years to fully trust myself enough to Mm. be like, Cause I would always doubt myself. I'd go back and be like, wait, am yep. I sure? Like, am I sure? This right. is-? I just had so much doubt, but um, it took me a long time, but I finally got to a place where I was like, no, I've always known. Cause I always look back to like, yes. when you're a child. I feel like when you're a child, yes. that's your most authentic yes. self mm-hmm. version of yourself. Yes. And like, whatever you feel at that time, I feel like that's the most truthful, pure part of you. Mm. And I would just like think back to like, when I was little, what just came naturally to me was obvious and like yeah. oh like, why would I ever think anything else you exactly know what I mean? yeah it's like um, younger me was the most honest me and I just need to learn how to agree with her <laughs> about what exactly. it is that I'm here for yeah yeah wow. so that's what I'm I'm doing now and you know like I just feel like this whole this whole I feel like spiritual abuse too like it's just something that I want people to know about. I want. I want to like raise awareness about it because I feel like so yeah. many people don't even know that this is a thing. Like, if you ask someone like, what what's a type of like what are the types of abuse? I don't even think they would even say spiritual abuse as one of them. Like, people usually would say like physical and sexual abuse, um, maybe verbal, maybe emotional if they acknowledge that. But spiritual, I feel like most people don't even know. Right. <laughs> like, don't You're even right. like hear yep. about. And yep. but I feel like it's like. For me personally, and having experienced basically every type of abuse you can experience, I feel like spiritual abuse was the hardest to heal from, mm, and the wow. most like, yeah, impacting because yeah. it it in my mind affected everything else. Like everything kind of stemmed from that. So like if you have that, you're yeah. basically like you're in an existential crisis. Yes. <laughs> like a perpetual spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse spans the here and now and goes into kind of the you know potential existence of eternity so you're correct like I think you know and it's not to minimize other forms of abuse but I think that what you're tapping into with that is extremely valid that it is it is potentially um a much more potent powerful insidious version of, of abuse because it doesn't just affect um your perception of what is right now but it affects your perception of what is coming later like the eternal realm of existence um yeah, and so it's yeah. very, it's very damaging. It's very, and it's very specific in its damage. Exactly, and even just like your idea of who you are as a person, mm-hmm. like that, it, it really disconnects you from yeah. who you are. Yeah, because you're not really allowed to even explore and know what that is authentically. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to mm-hmm. kind of take on this identity that's yep. put on you. Yes, and that's really confusing. <laughs> that, yes, that affects so much. You know, like it affects it affected the people I was friends with. So when I left the church, I had zero friends, literally zero. Like I had to start completely from scratch because I didn't, because I didn't have people in my life that I really resonated with because I didn't know who I 
really was. And mm. until I found that out, then I'm like, okay, so these are the kind of people I probably will most likely connect with. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I had to actually start asking myself those questions, um, you know, and like it affects like how you spend your time. Like, just so many aspects of your life yeah. are shaped by that. And yeah. so mm. I feel like with me, like doing music and um, pursuing my dream, like now I really want to help like people who, you know, having a platform to like help people that have been through this kind of stuff yes. and don't know how to get out of it or don't even recognize that they're, you know what I mean? Because I feel like sometimes like you have, well, not sometimes, all the time, you have that inner knowing that's like something's fucked up here, like Absolutely. something's not right. Yeah. But it's just yeah. a matter of trusting that, you know, mm. like actually acknowledging how you really feel and being yeah. 100% honest with yourself instead of like, you know, seeing things through the lens of the people that are telling you what to Yes. Do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah. that's just basically been my journey, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Like it is, it's truly, it's truly an honor. And maybe, maybe this feels so much more real to me because I resonate with so much of your specific story. Like it's truly an honor to stand and in this place and bear witness to your what happened to you and what you did with it and how you healed from it. So it's 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 enormous to me to, to be on the receiving end of this story and I'm so incredibly proud of you and I'm so honored that you shared your story with me. Um, and yeah, just thank you so much for, you know, um, being so willing to talk to essentially a somewhat total stranger about, you know, the mm-hmm. ins and outs of what you've been through and what you've experienced and it's it's a big deal and I'm really appreciative. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Of course. Yeah. Um, enjoy the rest of your night and let's definitely talk again soon for sure. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Good night, girl. Talk to you soon. If this episode or any other has meant something to you, We want to encourage you to share the podcast with someone you know. Show them an episode you think connects to their story. There's peace in processing these things together, as difficult as many of them can be. So help us get out there and and share as you see fit. We'd love to continue meeting new people through the podcast. Of course, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Star reviews on iTunes are always greatly appreciated for how they can help make us visible. Also, check out theairingofgrief.com for further content and opportunities to connect. You can check us out on Patreon as well. And a huge thank you to all of our patrons making this possible. That's all for now, so we will see you again next week, after church, for The Airing of Grief.